welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I am your host, Michael Tabor. Zach is out on assignment this week. Uh, we have sent him Never Been Kissed style undercover at FCAs across the country trying to turn future Christians of America into future communists of America. So he is currently seeing people at the poll and trying to see what he can do to preach the good word of Marx. Uh, but I am thrilled to be joined this week by Gomer, a local activist and uh, communist educator. He got to participate in a local action against evangelical asshole and heavy quotation marks worship leader, Sean Freud. Gomer, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So just to give our listeners a little background, if they are not familiar with Sean, uh, Sean has been doing this shtick for a while now where he has been leading protest worship movements all across the country, uh, sort of specifically targeting areas that have been focal points for BLM rallies and uh, specifically sort of drawing these like bad faith comparisons like, oh, Antifa and BLM can show up and loot and ravage is an actual tweet from him, but Christians gathering to pray is civil disobedience. Uh, and this has been, he's done this in like 50 cities over the past year. I'm curious, Gomer, uh, prior to this action that you participated in, uh, what, if any, experience did you have with Sean Foyt? I didn't have any experience with him. Uh, in fact, Good. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that myself. Um, I've been doing aid work on Skid Row for, uh, you know, basically since the pandemic started or really got bad since around uh, April. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I hadn't seen him out there at all. Well, no, he was too busy cavorting around the other parts of the country, uh, hosting, as he calls it, three-hour epic parties. Terrible. Yes, indeed. I did the unfortunate work of researching Sean a little bit, and let me tell you, he's a special guy. Uh, I, Gomer, I don't know if you've seen his look, but he has got this like surferized Kenny G minus the product hairstyle going on. Uh, it's kind of hard to overemphasize how much of a dweeb he is you know hearing hearing about like the this like really vitriolic shit that he was doing all across this country you know these incredibly awful you know quote-unquote protests uh he really has this like evangelical christian andrew wk vibe you hear him talk he says epic a lot like everything's epic i listen to like two minutes of him like doing a little devotional and he referred to like scripture uh the crowd and the songs all is epic in that like two minute span like that he is just totally it's very 2008 it's a little weird to like understand how this dude who is essentially like the finding nemo turtle uh is could be creating so much active harm like all of these super spreader events culminating and what got you involved, Gomer, which is a heavy quotation marks ministry to our unhomed neighbors in Skid Row, uh, where he was sending his people to sort of go forth, uh, do faith healings, which essentially meant, you know, three unmasked people surrounding, uh, you, know, you know, an unhomed person or like trying to get into their tents. And it really uh, sort of took what was already super gross to like actual warfare and i think one of the signs that you guys were holding was calling this what it is which is biological warfare oh yeah absolutely i mean that, that's what we put on all our cars as you said you've been doing aid work in that area for a while now uh these motherfuckers weren't there no no and I, i'll be honest we we do see some other groups come out sometimes but the most i've ever seen from a church group like a dedicated church group out there is like throwing water bottles from the back of a truck oh um, very trump style just doing the the three-point uh toilet paper <laughs> yeah exactly uh but they 
I mean, there's some, there's definitely Christians out there as far as like people who are, um, who are dedicated serving meals and such, but there's a big difference between individual Christians who feel a burden on their heart to do that versus these church groups. Cause I mean, the, the wildest thing to me of all is these, these people who came out, um, for the Sean Foyt thing, they didn't bring anything. They didn't bring water bottles to share or masks or, you know, food, anything. They, they just came and they came with their disease and that's it, you know? That, that's all they had to offer. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think that's really telling. They didn't even come with masks for themselves for the most part. No, we gave them masks. Incredible, incredible stuff. Just a couple more things to cover and then I want to sort of get into you walking us through that night. I found a clip of Sean going on Fox and Friends. You know, great, great stuff already. Uh, and it was a clip right after he had held one of these, you know, services in Seattle. And Seattle had closed the park that he had already sort of claimed as the meeting point. He never gets permits for these things. That's an important part. He held this thing in the street and then hopped on Fox and Friends to talk about what he talks about a lot, which is godless politicians and how they're targeting Christians, even though, as he put it, like Antifa was out here last night throwing Maltov, not Molotov, Maltov <laughs> cocktails. And, and, but, you know, this is what they're, they're uh, you know, targeting. They're targeting us. And despite the fact that, as we know, uh, protesters, many of them peaceful, all across the summer have had the ever-loving shit beat out of them oh, constantly. Yeah. I mean, and despite want... the fact that he was able to hold this event with, as he put it, 12,000 people. I think he likes to inflate his numbers. But 12,000 people in the streets of Seattle with absolutely no police intervention. Like, nothing happened. They had their event. Everyone got to dance around unmasked. I watched some videos of it. There's a lot of people waving flags. I don't know if this is, like, a theological thing that I'm not familiar with because Sean belongs to sort of a charismatic background that I, I, I didn't grow up in. But an uncomfortable number of people waving flags. It's wildness. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely wildness. And uh, the last thing that I saw from him, uh, one, he's part of Bethel Church in Reading, which is a massive megachurch, similar for listeners who have heard our Hillsong episode, very similar in terms of scope. They have sort of charismatic theology combined with a very evangelical like organization style, all covering up the same shit we see from all these motherfuckers, which is insane prosperity gospel. This this crusade that uh, Sean has been on has helped increase his already very significant personal wealth. And it even got him an invite to the White House for one of Trump's church supervillain meetups where they all stand around him and pray. Uh, And that's mostly notable because Sean is like kind of shunted off to the corner, but he is doing an insane like Jordan style reach just so he can get like his left pinky on Trump's cuff link. It's, it's, it's a really look up the picture. It's so good. Everyone else is standing there like the normal monsters that they are. And Sean can't even meet that very low bar. Uh, Just incredible stuff. So, while Sean is out here, uh, you know, equating his super spreader events with people protesting for racial justice, uh, Gomer, when did you get involved in the, in this process? And why don't you walk me through a little bit, like, what th- that blockade looked like, how that interaction went, and uh, just talk me through the night. Sure. Well, to start off, you talked about how these people don't get prote- don't get protest permits, and they, uh, uh, but they still talk about how they're being oppressed somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, I've had police point guns at me three times since the start of the summer, uh, mm-hmm. here in yeah. LA County. And each time we were just protesting peacefully, you know? So it's, it's one of the things where it's like the hypocrisy is just, is wild. 
as far as like trying to paint Antifa as like we're we're just allowed to run through the streets. I mean, first of all, everybody knows Antifa is not an organization, but second of all, uh, it's peaceful protesters who would be called Antifa absolutely are not allowed in LA to just walk through the streets, you know? The idea that these Christians holding their worship events that are often attended by the same police that go out the next day and beat people are, are the persecuted ones feeds into a much larger problem of victimhood complex that we've talked about a lot on the show. So yeah, as far as to that night goes, we, in LA especially, we have kind of a, a very loosely organized uh, style of doing these rapid deployments. So that's why a lot of the groups that were out that night were the tenants union uh, eviction mm. defense groups. Um, that's how I got involved is through that because I do some uh, I do some local tenants union organizing. I help organize the uh, the eviction defense rapid response group for one of the tenants unions around here. And nice. um, yeah, that's. That's basically it. So you just call one friend calls their friend who calls another friend and you get a whole bunch of cars to show up. You get every you get all your signs taped onto the side of the cars and uh, and then you drive to the location. That's a, that's how we've done a, a couple of not events like this, because these kind of like Christian super spreader events don't happen very often. around yeah, here. This, but, is, uh, this is pretty unique. Yeah, but. But yeah, that's that's the long and the short of how it got organized. Um, just many different groups who are not certainly not politically aligned and not um, not even the same, you know. Yeah. So uh, there were some. There were a few people who were organizing, and um, you know what what usually happens with this kind of thing when we do have a rapid deployment and it's not for an eviction defense is some people uh, kind of vet the organizers a little bit. So the, mm. the people that we trust will talk to them and, and will let us know if they're cool or not. And then, and then we'll call us all out to go. So it's not a perfect system because every now and again, we get called into some shenanigans and then, and I mean, nothing illegal or whatever, just like somebody's trying to use the, use the groups as a personal army, but generally that doesn't happen. Generally, um, we don't have we don't ha ever have to turn around once we get there we we get there and it's nice. a well-organized thing and it's ready to go that's awesome i did think it was weird that one time i saw you show up at a QAnon rally uh, <laughs> but i was there too so i can't really throw stones i mean listen save the Lord. children save the children those people boy, i tell you what i <laughs> i i did go to uh i was i was the only commie at a uh at a counter protest. I was, I was basically by myself at a counter protest this one time. Cause I showed up super late. All the other counter protesters had already gone home half an hour in to the nice. uh, gate, to the gays for Trump rally. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, cause it was, it was such a sad event. They, they marched from one side of the street to the other side of the street. So. <laughs> oh, no. So, oh no. Yeah. You, okay. <laughs> You have to question what you're doing if that's how lame your parade is. I'm sorry. It just <laughs> listen. I understand that everyone starts somewhere, but if that's if that's what you're managing, I think it might be time to reevaluate. <laughs> There's a lot of things to reevaluate about that, but yeah. So th so that's the <laughs> lot. <laughs> that's how we generally do things. And well, and just like at that time, most people had left after after 30 minutes. Most people were still around uh, two hours into to this one. We stay as long as we need to is the basic idea. So so once you're there and you're set up, uh, what was the actual interaction like? I heard Sean didn't actually show up. Um, but what was your experience with uh, with these people that were coming in as an invading force? Yeah, well, I 
so I grew up in a in in rural South, and I, I knew I knew every one of the cast of characters who showed up, you know, um, because mm-hmm. they they like their tropes in a lot of ways. They they turn into stereotypes, uh, caricatures of, the, of themselves, you know. Um, so we had the the lady with the bucket hat and glasses who was like a who would have made a perfectly good like wine aunt or um <laughs> like yeah. lone... what a waste what right. a waste <laughs> exactly she she really could have been a fun wine aunt but instead she found uh, evangelical christianity and so she was you know she had her her well-thumbed gold leaf bible was uh you know shouting and uh and get, they get this look in their eyes it's like a it's i mean it's like they're they're on the war path you know what i mean they get this, no, I mean, this it, look like it very much is set up for them as warfare and that's something mm-hmm. we've talked like the the military language being used uh you know in evangelical cultures like it, these people are absolutely trying to turn a culture war into an actual war and you know i, I think that line gets really blurry in something like this where like you are endangering other people's lives like your mm-hmm. ideology is now not just this crazy shit that you believe it is actively leading you to try to harm people absolutely and i I, i'm not going to advocate for violence whatsoever here um mostly because that's illegal but yeah uh, (laughs) Yeah. mostly because we have to do that off the recording right (laughs) (laughs) but i i I do want to say and this is something uh i've heard other people mention it who live in other big cities but it's something that we talk about in the south somewhere um you can always tell when someone's running their mouth if they have or have not ever had their ass whooped and um, <laughs> some of, some of these people who are who are trying to like they have that warfare type look in their eyes, you know, like they're they're just fresh out of boot camp and they're screaming sir yes sir, except they're talking Bible verses, like mm. they, like they they have that that whole vibe of having never had their ass whooped, and so it's it's funny how so often you you read if if you ever follow like the comment section of conservative media, you'll see people talking about like. You know, oh, these Antifa—they, they'll see what happens when the real war starts. They—they they don't know what's yeah, coming for yeah. them. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I might be a vegan soy boy, but I have at least had my ass whipped a few times, so I know at <laughs> yes. least a little bit of what's coming. Not—not <laughs> uh, not my first rodeo, as it turns out. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, no. One of one of the reasons I was excited to have you on is like, oh, oh, uh, you know, it's another self-described redneck communist. Both me and our, uh, my co-host grew up in in the various parts of the South. I grew up in small town North Carolina, so always right. fun to see another person that's walked that path and ended up uh, in the black block, so to speak. Yeah, yes, sir, absolutely. Um, so. I, I do think it's funny because uh, I, I didn't start out as the only commie in my town when I was a kid, but I did start out as the only atheist in my town. I was, uh, yeah, arguably I mean, an even worse situation to be in for a young person. Oh, for sure. When I was thirteen, <laughs> I, I was ostracized, and uh, it was it was me, the the German exchange student who said they were an atheist early on and got ostracized for it, and then the oh, no. uh, the town piano player for the church. And uh, he was the only really good piano player around, so they put up with him. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to suck it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. I love that so much. Also, shout outs to that German exchange student who had no idea what they were walking <laughs> into when they just were honest about what they believed. <laughs> yeah, it's a big whoopsie on their part, boy. <laughs> Oh, man. 
Okay, so you're you're there. You're interacting uh, with these with these people. You're sort of recognizing this from your past and your upbringing. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have a lot of direct interaction? How effective was the blockade? Uh, what were yeah. they doing? So I, I get sidetracked. You have to reel me in. I'm, I'm no, on my I, I, I am loving this. Let's just be clear. This is this is tickling my heart. Okay, good. Um, so the uh, you know the people who got there were the same old types. You know the ones who who will like just get very hype all of a sudden and throw their hands up and close their eyes and start doing the the worship bounce you know oh yes um, very familiar yeah the so they were they were there and the, the funny thing though is that i i wonder if they had some of them had gotten instruction to quote unquote blend in um oh. because there were there were certainly some who were dressed a little bit more normally but they they just can't act normal these people they like it's impossible so they get there and um you know a couple of them are milling around and I'm like okay well you're if if you're out of your car and you're milling around and you're not actively opposing what's going on here then chances are you're yeah, not just we know a, what's up yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. if you're in a bedazzled mask and you're uh, just walking around. This is like this is not. You're not from Skid Row. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And like even more, like it reminds me a lot of uh, like cop plants at a lot of these protests, where it's always mm-hmm. the same three slightly beefy dudes standing around with their hands in their pockets. Yeah, but hey, like, bro. Who hey. who do you think you're fooling right now? What's up, guys? Y'all y'all got your Kansas soup? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those guys. What's funny is on the on the first night, like when uh, of the protest, when it all kicked off in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was wearing some boots and like I, I mean my general style is not super chuddy, but it, I guess it could be considered a little bit chuddy. But um, people kept walking by me and being like, "Nice boots, nice boots, man!" Like like I was a cop plant. I was like, "Man, I can't wear these boots to protest." No oh, wow. <laughs> oh wow! Oh <laughs> wow! Uh, you should have shown him. I not to not to out your Twitter early, but I I saw your uh, hammer and sickle belt buckle. You know, a pretty pretty solid, maybe bronze looking belt buckle. It does. Come on, man. You get you got your cred. You're wearing your drip. <laughs> yeah, man. That's the thing. I, I what I what I did do is I put one of my linen pins on my army jacket. There you go. So uh, so people can tell. But so getting back to that night, um, we we drove up in a long line of cars we um we didn't block off the street per se mm-hmm. um especially not to start but what what we ended up doing is um kind of stationing people far at the ends of several different streets where some of these sean foyt people would be uh walking up um and we you always have to be tactical about some of this stuff so for example whenever we've done whenever we've tried to do eviction blockades at the courts, right? If you don't get enough people to, um, to block off the doors, then, um, you're just going to get mass arrested straight up. So you, so you have to change your tactics based on, um, just the number of people who show up. So the number of people who showed up was enough for us to, um, just yell at people who were walking up, um, and make them put on masks. So Mm -hmm. we didn't get everybody like three, three or four of the, anti-mask people slipped in without um without getting a mask but a lot of uh a lot of them really were intimidated to be honest by people who were who who were like you know put your fucking mask on i'm sorry i don't know if you can curse on this no no please Um, 
So the name so, of the show is Shitty Christians, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we, you know, we just like, we would just kind of not get in their face, but like, you know, bang some pots and pans real loud right yeah, in front yeah. of them and say, put your, put your mask on. And, um, and a lot of them complied because I do think that some, like it may have been the first time that someone had actually been aggressive to them for some of these people, you know, cause mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. these were not hardened protesters coming out. I'll tell you that. Like, your um your demonic wine mom uh definitely had been to a few of these things before because she was you know she was ready to get wild but um <laughs> but some, some of the other people were um they you know they just didn't know what to expect they thought that they were going to come to skid row and like lay hands on people and it for, for it to be a peaceful thing like some of them brought their kids man and so like oh yeah it was like, do I feel weird yelling at people with their kids there? Yeah, it, it's uncomfortable. But I didn't bring their kids there, and they're bringing disease into a community that I've been trying to help for eight months. So I didn't feel that bad about it, you know? Exactly. You you didn't you didn't put that kid in the car, strap him in, drive him over, do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, I've been that kid too, as far as like you know, with my with my parents growing up, is taken to a mm. situation where kids had no no place being there. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just a Christian thing to do is to try, like to try to show kids the way the world is and show, you know, quote unquote, show kids the suffering in the world, but actually just bring them into deeply unsafe places, um, where kids just have no place being. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, that's amazing that you were able to get people to mask up. If nothing else did what you could to like help protect the community that you're working to serve. Any, any other interactions you want to cover from that night? Um, Sure. So a lot of these type of people will, they'll try to be sneaky about it or try like you, oh, yeah. you've seen all the videos about like, you know, them being like, Oh, I got a condition. I got a breathing condition. Yeah, I can't yeah, have yeah. yet. So a couple uh, of them I am an there. essential worker in LA. So I can, I can specifically attest to all of the uh, various stories people like to tell. And let me tell you, uh, as much as we like to get on these ideological anti-maskers, my personal experience is that every motherfucker with a latte is an anti-masker. <laughs> every yes. single one. Correct. I don't know. I don't know what it is about picking up that Starbucks cup, but it, it really changes a person. It does. It does. And I and so th- there were certainly a lot of those. Speaking of lattes, there were these people who were like trying to eat candy bars, and they're like, "Oh, I, I, I'm eating this candy bar. I can't wear a mask." Jesus and I, Christ. And we're like. Oh. We'd be like, just go the fuck to another street. Go to there. There are a hundred streets you could be on right next door to us. Walk over there, finish your candy bar, and come back. But it's like that wasn't the purpose. They were trying to get us to socially accept them not wearing a mask. You know, it's that it's that social yeah. contract, right? Yeah, it's so, it's crazy that somebody had that strategy. Like somebody was somebody was sending out a mass text, being like, "All right, guys, we make sure you prepped. Get your Snickers." <laughs> Exactly, exactly right. <laughs> so they did. They did manage to um, to lay hands on one unhoused person there. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. It, it. I don't know if you saw there. Like it almost turned into a physical altercation at that point. Oh, so okay. um, they basically they were they were able to do that and no others. Like the um, you know we were very careful that if they tried to move to a different street, we would follow them there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We 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 did not allow them to just go run around um, skid row willy nilly. And that, and I think that was important as far as like a small number of people. Um, we were somewhat able to drown out the, um, the praise and worship music with the mm-hmm. horns of our cars and with um, just banging on pots and pans and 
I mean, just any, any kind of noise we can make. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we had a, we had our own group there who like the, the organizers had a, um, like audio set up in their truck. So they kind of led a few songs and they led some chants. And, uh, nice. I mean, to be honest, it was very, it, it was cacophonous, which was purposeful. And I felt bad for the people at Skid Row because like, you know, we were certainly making yeah, yeah. noise, you know, and they, and this is where they live. It's like somebody coming to your living room and, um, and lighting off fireworks. Yeah. But... Doing bands in your living room is not <laughs> ideal, but neither <laughs> is someone coming in and trying to put their fucking hands on you. Right, exactly. And that was the point is that like these like these people like you just don't know how it is in Skid Row unless you've been out there. Like yeah. the um the it's very transient, right? So there are certain there are certain encampments in LA that are um that are kind of a little bit more stable. But Skid Row is one of the one that is least stable where it's newer people coming in on a fairly regular basis. Um another thing is that it's um like the the number of people with with other diseases with um you know for example with hiv is is yeah. kind of high out there and so there's a lot of comorbidities that you have to think about so like i'm willing to wake somebody up if i can help save their life and to be honest with this kind of thing it it is saving lives to not allow them to interact with the with the people of skid row because this coronavirus hit so hard out there and so for the people who are trying to uh to stay safe on skid row um they they have this double burden of trying to stay safe from um you know from these type people who are coming in without masks and who are mm -hmm. be, you know being problems but also just the regular people of la you know because downtown is basically right up against skid row right so yeah yeah um yeah so the it's it's just a, it's a difficult spot for them just for staying safe from a lot of different things but it's but especially from disease you know so um so it was very important for us to block them off. The pigs did come out. Um, the pigs mostly stayed out by um, a side street, but they were. Wait, they were why about... didn't why didn't they wait and start beating these uh these people trying to <laughs> come into skid? I don't understand. I thought that was their thing. They love beating protesters. It it was very interesting because I was like I saw them pigs and I was like man we are in a car blockade here. So like if they want yeah, to come yeah. in and it's going to get cars, ugly for us. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they really could mess up our stuff, but I think it was because them Sean Foyt people were out there that, uh, they, that they didn't come through cause they, uh, like they didn't show not a single pig showed up. Like they, they, mm. I, I was walking on a side street and, um, and I was like, Oh shit. Like I was all of a sudden in pig central. Like there was literally like, um, 10, 10 cop cars. Jesus. Um, so I was like, yeah, it, it, but they were all like lined up with their, with their lights off and just standing by the cars. And, um, I was like, you know, I just kind of swiftly kept walking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Walk. <laughs> But yeah, they uh, uh they never I, I mean for the for the 2 hours I was there the police never intervened. Incredible. Incredible. Incredible that when it's, you know, people advocating for racial justice, it's hey, bring in bring in the troops and uh mm -hmm. when it's uh people trying to harm some of our most vulnerable neighbors, it's uh we'll be over here. Mhm. Mm yeah, exactly. We'll be having out. donuts and coffee over here, exactly. Yep. Uh man, it's crazy uh I, you know, I just that whole protect and serve thing i don't i don't know i don't know what happened i'm just i'm really lost on well i i remember i don't know if you remember um a few years ago in detroit when uh the police just stopped answering calls like they just straight up yep. stopped serving yep. some areas and the what 
what came down through the courts is that protect and serve means to protect and serve the law, mm-hmm. not to protect and serve people. So I always thought that was very interesting that they codified that, that the police are not there to protect and serve you whatsoever. Now, nope. it is it's it is debatable if they protect and serve the law whatsoever either, but at least we have um, at least we have legal precedent that they don't have to do shit for you. <laughs> they, they don't give a fuck about you. And they That's made right. that very clear. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That combined with things like, oh, yeah, you know, police don't actually have to know the law. They just have to think that they're enforcing the law correctly. And oh, boy. We are just we're just living in a wild, wild time. Uh, can I can I tell a story about that? Yeah, please. Um, so I went to a, I went to an eviction blockade once and the, the eviction blockades that I usually go to are the ones where it's an illegal eviction because those are the ones where we can really get the cops to back yeah, down. Yeah. Um, it's harder with legal evictions, but with the illegal evictions, um, yeah. So I showed up and the, and the, there's this big fat bald motherfucker out there. And, um, of course, you know, like six foot four looks like a ham sandwich with legs and, um, <laughs> and, and he's, a and he's. I mean, I'm a fat guy too, so I'm not fat shaming over here. But <clears throat> listen, listen, I I fully believe in body positivity, but not for pigs. Sorry. <laughs> not for pigs, Sorry. exactly. Sorry, you can cancel me for that opinion if you want, but fuck this <laughs> guy. But he's he's holding court over there, and I think a lot of times, like the the whitest, tallest man in the room will have a tendency to hold court in this kind of way, right? What? So, so he, yeah, no surprising. <laughs> but he's he's talking and he's talking out his ass about how the landlord doesn't have any responsibility to do X, Y, Z. And I, I walk up and I had, I had literally just read the, um, like the day before, um, because of a similar case, I had read some, uh, some specific Los Angeles law about it, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. state of California law about what a landlord is required to, to provide to a tenant. So I go over there and he's saying that. And I, and I was like, uh, oh, well, actually according to law. And I just, and I just spit it out verbatim. And he's like, and he's like, what, do you carry around a, a, a copy of the law in your pocket? And I was like, no. I was like, no, do you? <laughs> and, and, and all the all the cops in the area like like got quiet and looked around, start looking at each other. And I was like, oh, no, am I about to get my ass beat? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they, oh, uh, that man. was one. I tell you, the one thing that I love about eviction defense and that and – I encourage everybody to get involved with a, with a tenants union if they can, not because I think that it's revolutionary, but because it's the only time that I have ever actually made the cops back down. Mm. When you know the law and you're in the right and the, and the cops show up and they're trying to pull some shenanigans, eviction defense allows you to, um, allows you to just push back in a way that you can't anywhere else, you know? So I've done a lot of protesting and, and had some bad things happen. Um, and I've, I've tried some other kinds of political action, but I'll, I'll be honest. Um, the cops always win, you know, when, if, when the cops come through and they beat your ass and you go home and, um, and, and they go home happy to, to their families without having had their ass beaten, that's not a win to me, in my opinion. Um, but when, but when you go to an eviction defense and the cops are out and they're, and they're ready to throw a family on the street and you make them go home, that's a good feeling. Maybe that's a good, uh, moment to sort of transition to like, Talking a little bit more specifically about the work that you do on Twitch, uh, your sort of vision for like organizing and maybe just like, I think a lot of people, people that have been radicalized through the Bernie campaign, but are maybe, you know, unstudied, don't know what to go next, don't know where to like get involved or like what hope even looks like in, you know, this, this hell year after last hell year after, you know, 
30 to 40 years of neoliberal awfulness. You know, it's been bad for a minute now. Uh, So let's Mm -hmm. uh, let's maybe transition to talking a little bit about the work that you do, places people can potentially look to get organized, what your sort of vision for the next step for like these movements are. I love that question. That's a great question. So I can I plug can I plug my program? Plug plug it now. And then we'll also make sure I've got the links in the description. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. All right. Well, yeah, I I talk about organizing techniques on Tuesdays, so kind of new revolutionary techniques um, for, on Tuesdays. And I don't mean new techniques. I mean techniques for new revolutionaries. And then on, <laughs> Brand on new techniques. Friday, we got laser guns, man. It's crazy. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and on Fridays, I go over uh, theory. So my goal mm. with my channel is to to help arm people with both the uh, the practical side of things and the the ideological side of things so that they'll feel comfortable and won't get brought into some some silliness some opportunism is what it's usually called in Marxist Leninist yeah. circles um, so yeah that's uh, twitch.tv slash comrade Gomer mm-hmm. and it's uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific 10 p.m. Eastern so for example when you when you say what what do I envision for people to kind of uh, to kind of grow from the the protests and the political activism that has come out of this year, um, what I hope to what I hope happens is that people start taking a look at what tactics work and what tactics don't work. Um, what tactics grow a lasting community of activists, and what tactics just get people on the street for an Instagram photo op. Yeah. So, um, my personal opinion is that quite a bit of protesting, especially protesting of the peaceful variety, has the tendency to allow people to get out of their house and feel like they did something much the way that like um, voting makes people feel like they Mm -hmm. did something in that it just feeds into a uh, the status quo of this, you know, racist, terrible system that we live in. So I think that um, there are other forms of organizing that are more important. I believe that mutual aid and propagandizing the aid work that you do is very important. So what I mean by that is both on both sides is in telling the people who you are giving to what you're about Mm -hmm. and um, taking pictures and putting it on your um, like starting a little groups and taking pictures, putting it on the, the Twitter, the Facebook, the website of your little group and growing your group that way. So we've seen many of these small groups forming and with just a few pictures getting hundreds of thousands, uh, I mean, in aggregate, um, hundreds of thousands of new followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so not, and not any one account getting a hundred thousand followers, but rather like, you know, a thousand accounts getting a hundred followers yeah, just after, yeah. a, you know, after one, one time out. So when you see this kind of growth happening, this kind of support for actually feeding people for doing eviction defense and such, um, I feel like this kind of dual power approach is the way. Now, I will not, like I said before, I can't advocate for violence on the program, but I will say that um, there, I don't believe that peaceful revolution is is possible, mm-hmm. and I and I don't believe that um, that voting our way to freedom is possible. Oh, I yeah, think definitely that, not. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's quite a bit of. Um, I think there's quite a bit of opportunism that has held sway for the last uh, three decades where there hasn't been a lot of people calling themselves communists. There, yeah. there have been people who have been beaten around the bush, calling themselves socialists, 
Oh shit! Um, Call out. <laughs> or or how about this leftists? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, one thing we have to do is we don't have to worry about. Um, violent revolution yet because we're nowhere near that but what we do have to worry about is um we have to be very honest about who we are we have to say i am a communist i believe in violent revolution and um and here's a sandwich you know Mm -hmm. like i i want to take care of you i want to be the ones who feed your kids um in the in time that the government is not doing it so um so often on the left we have this thing where um, we feel ashamed to tell who we are. We've been, we have been propagandized from birth to, uh, keep it quiet when we do something good. Um, mm-hmm. especially if you're, if you grew up in the church, um, you have to give all the, all the credit to the church, all the quote unquote glory to God. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what, what ends up happening is we have this, this outlook of, um, of shame and trying to hide away the good deeds that we do. We need to stop doing that altogether because, um, otherwise, the institutions that um, uphold white supremacy and this bourgeois state that we have are the ones that get all the credit and the glory. So these small groups that I'm talking about, um, you know, we need, to, we need to we need to boost ourselves. We need to talk about the good work that we're doing, and and we need to do the good work ourselves as well. Yeah, I think I think that combo of like doing the good work and then sharing it is really important and. You know, it strikes me that like that in and of itself is not that different from how the church is supposed to work or Mm -hmm. maybe not even supposed, but could work. And I'm I'm consistent. We've seen it from some places like churches contributing to mutual aid or bail defense. But it is sort of shocking how in this moment when our political institutions are just letting people die in the streets, uh, how much. We end up you know, we, with you going to protest to try to stop the church from harming people instead of a religious institution, you know, seize a moment and try to care. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it really speaks to the failures of evangelicalism. All right, so you already mentioned your uh, your Twitch channel, but let's uh, give everyone all of your links one more time. Twitch, Twitter, uh, where can people find you? How can they get connected? Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm at FullCommy, F-U-L-L-C-O-M-M-I-E. And then on Twitch, I'm at uh, twitch.tv slash Comrade Gomer. And I just got my YouTube name. So I think on YouTube now, I'm uh, like youtube.com slash C slash Comrade Gomer. So that's for my uh, recordings of my old streams. Oh, nice. And on on my streams you'll find me talking about uh, a lot of different revolutionary texts uh lenin angles um I, tr- I try to mix it up with some modern texts too so i talked about for example george jackson's blood in my eye mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so yeah i to be honest i'm i'm down to be friends with anybody on twitter uh or and i love people to come and, and talk to me on the program it's a i don't, I don't know i feel like the important thing right now for people like me is to be breaking things down simply. So, um, a lot of a lot of people who are like the read theory types, so you yeah, yeah, very familiar read, with that. Kind of. Yeah, big old scare quotes, read theory. Uh, I, I don't I don't particularly care for that. I believe it's important to read theory, but I also believe that some people um, have trouble accessing it, have trouble understanding it because it's written in uh, sometimes old language. And so, yeah. my my main goal is to make theory more understandable, easily accessible, and kind of take take a page out of how, um, you know, Lenin used to explain uh, pamphlets to these illiterate workers, illiterate mm-hmm. um, factory workers. And, you know, in Cuba, uh, Fidel Castro would 
um, just make speeches for hours and hours on the radio. So like, regardless of how you feel about their politics, this act of trying to break things down simply for regular people is a, is a strong tradition in communism that we need to maintain to this day. Being able to meet people where they're at, uh, I think is just such an important part of doing any sort of building, any sort of movement. Like how do you do that if you can't speak to people where they're at? Mm -hmm. um, uh, last thing I'll say, I, as we were sort of talking about like, what's the next step? Where are we at vis-a-vis uh, -vis revolution and organizing? I've been reading uh, The Wretched of the Earth and it has been mm -hmm. such a breath of fresh air uh, after, you know, uh, a, a year of like uh protests that I, I think you know have got a lot of people thinking about these issues and thinking about next steps uh but also just hearing from a guy that isn't concerned with optics and is just willing to say there are two worlds uh the the border between them is the police and we got to figure out how to break down that border and, hell yeah <laughs> uh you know we can speculate wildly about what the most effective tactics for that were, but it, it has been uh, really encouraging in a, in a year where encouragement is not something I've felt that often. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, I, I would never want to equate uh, the colonized world with, uh, you know, taking that experience out. But there is just, I think, a lot to learn about both the hardship that people uh, in colonized countries have faced and also just sort of understanding the, what the role of, of capital is in 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 all of our lives um, absolutely and I, th I think that if you're if your communism don't contain a decolonial aspect to it then it's you know it's just racist socialism yep, so that's right no i was talking about this with a friend that like you know huge believer in unions unions incredibly important it's it's fucking evil what we've done to unions in this country but i've also known people that have been parts of unions that also hated immigrants like, exactly exactly you can be a shitty can, person you can absolutely build a workers movement that is racist and exclusionary and that's why mm -hmm. like uh genuine intersectionality and decolonization is like such a hugely important part of this we're not talking like neolib representation politics we're talking like genuinely like how do you build a workers movement if you aren't speaking to like everyone's condition uh mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. with that said uh everyone go follow gomer and check out his streams i have i've been catching up on his theory streams on youtube because uh that's what i can listen to like a podcast when i'm at work and it has been uh really engaging and especially helpful for me who is still in many ways a baby when it comes to this politics who sort of started this process in 2016 post bernie and has been slowly learning i know i know what i care about but like what actual theories and and tactics go into that is still something that uh we're all trying to learn so i think it's a really valuable resource so uh thank you so much gomer for coming on i really appreciate you taking the time and thank you uh on behalf of our unhomed neighbors for doing the work that you did to help protect people that are so often uh, abandoned without protection hey thank you so much for having me on i, re I really appreciate you and the work you're doing thanks man well, before we get out of here, we do have one more bit of business. Longtime listeners know that I myself am a notorious Scrooge, with no interest in holiday gaiety, much less gift-giving, but our illustrious Beatsmith, who has created a ton of great music for the pod, including the incredible holiday remix to the intro we've all been enjoying the past few weeks, has a much more generous soul than I, and wanted to give the audience just a little gift to carry with them into the new year. So with that said, thank you guys so much for listening, and without further ado, here's Arby's Vibe.